Hello and welcome to the Rev It Up Podcast, helping entrepreneurs fill up their tanks, crank up the RPMs, and put the pedal to the metal until they cross that finish line. Hello, I'm Jess Tiffany. Ready, set, go. Hey everybody, welcome to another exciting episode. Uh, we have the awesome, amazing Scotty Schindler here with us from way down under. Can you say hi to everybody? Hey, Gowan, everyone. <laughs> we love the accent. Uh, we're not, we don't get to hear it too much over here. So, um, well, thank you for um, uh, coming here and uh, being on the show. And before we get too far into things, if you could tell people, um, you know, if they wanted to follow your stuff or, or, you know, check you out a little bit, where would they go to do that? Yeah, look, the best place is LinkedIn. It's probably the only place they can follow me. So LinkedIn, just Scotty Schindler. Uh, the other one is obviously my website, scottyschindler.com. But yeah, the, the LinkedIn's the best one. There's plenty Perfect. of content on there and plenty of tips I share. Excellent. Perfect. Thank you. And so I know uh, you had started a company uh, years ago in 2000 with only one property, and then you exited later at about $1.125 trillion, it said. And I was curious about uh, how you... Uh, uh, just a little bit of background on that and how you did that. Yeah, sure. Actually, believe it or not, I didn't start the company in 2000. So I'll give you the story about the six huh. startups. I went on the five that didn't work. Oh, okay. So I went through, I left insurance in 2000 and wanted to start a company. And I first one I started was a, a medical website or medical portal called medicab.com.au. And I think it would have worked, but I was in partners with a guy that didn't want to work. So I was the only one doing the work, but he owned the name, not me. So it was sort of his concept. But when, when it came down to let's get in and get some stuff done, he just wanted to ride on the, the name. I'm going, well, I'm doing all the work here. So I got out of that after three months. But I still think that had legs. It was good. But I learned out of that that this whole portal thing was probably a good idea. So I started doing, and, and believe it or not, that model came out a few years later like MySpace. Mm. They ended up taking, I won't call it my idea, but they actually took the same idea I had and made it work. And obviously it failed in the end because Facebook took off. But anyway, I thought that's a really good idea. So I came home, I moved from Newcastle back to Coffs and I started doing like these local portals. I started at one called Go Coffs, which is Coffs Harbour's our local regional city. And I called it Go Coffs. And, and that was a bit of an idea, but it never really took off. And I thought about doing those all over Australia. So once again, if you think of MySpace, but it was just for local ideas and stuff like that. And that was, you know, it was, it was an all right idea, but, you know, in hindsight, I'm sort of glad that didn't really work. Um, but I also then, I wanted to get into, the one thing I wanted to get into was the IT space. So I started thinking about security and, and networking, like as in computer networking, peer-to-peer. -peer. Okay. And I first client, I, the first client I went out to after reading a book that was, you know, really thick, and I, I actually understood it. But anyway, when I had to go out and actually practice it, I went out and went, I'm not doing this, man. There's too many variables between computers. I said, my very first client, I don't even know if I charged them for the networking. But anyway, I said, I'm not doing this. This is way too hard to, to what I wanted to do, which was scale and use time duplication and all those sorts of models that I, I talk about now. It just didn't fit the model. I went, no, this is too hard. Yeah. Even though it might be an opportunity, it's too hard. So that was through 2000 and all the way along I was learning website design and was it the, you know, the turn of the century website design was like the new buzz technology, you know, having a website was like, wow, that was the turn of the century. <laughs> yeah. 
But I got to the start of 2001 and I actually, believe it or not, I started to think I couldn't start a company. I was never going to make it. And my wife wasn't that happy because I hadn't really been working for a year. Uh, I'd just been playing around and doing a few odd jobs and trying to identify myself. So I, I started looking for a job and then no one would even give me a job interview, let alone a job. So I never even got a job interview. But anyway, so I kept on looking along and then I started to, I went to the Gold Coast in Australia in May 2001 and I bought two books. One was on, on PHP and one was on MySQL. In other words, you know, online software. Yeah. And I started writing that. That changed everything. I came back. I started toying around with a car yard software. I started toying around with um, accommodation software and real estate software. Okay. And if you go back to the story of the one property, okay, so when I go back to that portal, that GoCoffs, mm-hmm. I actually listed my parents-in-law's property on there for sale. And we sold it off that website. Oh, wow. So that was a pretty cool story, right? So we sold it off that one. So anyway, from that one property, someone else asked me to list their property for private sale. So, you know, so I started doing these little private sale things as well as I was looking after half a dozen real estate agents. But anyway, all three of those software packages sort of worked. So I had three car yards using the car yard software. I had a few accommodation places using the accommodation software. I had like half a dozen people in the end using the real estate software. And they were all sort of working, but they didn't really get traction. But the one that started to get traction was the real estate one. So by September, I thought, you know, this one's going to work. So I started playing around with it more. By November, I was going to start charging people, but I wasn't ready. Hmm. I couldn't charge them. I said, oh, I can't charge you. I'm not ready. So I started charging them in December. Then I went to another place an hour and a half from here in January 2002. Got some clients. Went to Gold Coast 2000, uh, February, and I got more clients. I went, this is it. This one's working. So I started the company Renet in February 2002 after a two-year journey, ah. and that was my sixth attempt. So it wasn't like some magic wand and off I went my first attempt from one property and off I, off I grew. No, the one property I had no idea when I put it on was going to lead to all the properties I had on there. So there was like 900,000 properties, $1.125 trillion worth of real estate wow. that I had in the database when I'd finished. And... I remember putting the first $100 million figure on the website. It was like, wow, this database is managing over like $100, billion, $100 million. And then that grew to, to you know, the, the billion dollars and the $100 billion. And by the time I'd finished, $1.125 trillion worth of real estate had managed. It was, it was awesome to watch that figure grow. Yeah. I should have taken 10%. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, 10%. That'd be, be should have taken 10%. Yeah, anyway. absolutely. Wow. Yeah, no, that's an amazingly great success story. And I, I think you're right. I mean, you know, every, you know, you, I mean, occasionally people make it big right away, but, but usually it's their, you know, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, you know, or 12th time trying before they really take off with something, you know, in a big way. So. Um, well, do you know the other side of that story was, it took 18 more months before I realized I had a company. So it took until September 2003. So basically, say, from October 2003 onwards, I never knocked on another door. So all the way along that journey, say, from, from the start of 2000 to the end of 2003, so four years, we'll call it, was simply driving and trying to create a business and a company. And the realization was from October 2003, I had a company. I had, I had product. I had clients. I had profit. I also had staff. So, you know, I had an office, I had all those things and it just was like, okay, I think this is it now. I'm done. This is the focus going forward. It's re it's working. 
Nice. And do you have any tips on uh, blocking out all that other stuff? I know myself and many entrepreneurs suffer with kind of the, the shiny object syndrome. The shiny stuff, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny when I look back. So I got to the exit stage and I, I you know, retired and got a chance to look back. A bit like the football season. You get to the end of the season, whether you win or lost or whatever, you look back and go, oh, man, we could have done this better, could have done that better. Mm. And I looked at all the opportunities. So imagine if I'd have kept on doing the accommodation and it turned into Airbnb. You know, look at all the successful car sites. Imagine if I had had all three, you know, and I look at that and go, because I was self-taught. So I, I, if I had been more educated, maybe I could have done it. But anyway, at the end of the day, uh, I look back and thought, you know what? At the same time, because I stayed, because I stayed laser focused on the real estate industry and I didn't let things distract me, I actually managed to go on a journey most people never go on. Yeah. So in that sense, I'll give myself an A-plus report card because I didn't get distracted. Yeah, I got, you know, did I maximize and I could have, I could have even had a, the, the way it was going in 2006, I started doing all these things with networks and servers again, because I needed it for my own hosting. Does that sound a bit like Amazon with Amazon web services? Yeah, I had that business going, but believe it or not. And then I had a fallout with that partner. Mm. Long story short was, and I tried to get a friend in who was way better and he didn't have the courage to leave his job and do this web service stuff. Mm. Look, I need it. Let's do it and let's make it for everybody. But he, he works for the national company. He's right high up. He's on big money. Just didn't have the courage to leave his job. And now I look at Amazon Web Services and go, man, that could have been another opportunity. And I was only thinking small at the time. But anyway, the long story short is I look back and thought, but I was also so lucky that all these things didn't happen because I got to stay focused. Yeah. And I got to go on that journey of entrepreneurial journey and actually stay focused on what I've got and only what I've got and not let the opportunities on the side distract or dilute what I actually had in my hands. So in the end, I still think it was good. As much as I could have been, I also could have been the jack of all trades, master of none. Right. That is a risk that that can happen a lot of times. So I saw plenty of technology companies go that way. I did. Yeah. 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 And so you're a surfer. I see the surfboards in the background there. And uh, so is there any uh, parallels between surfing and uh, your business career? Well, I don't know what made which one work, whether it was surfing helped me with business or business helped me with surfing. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I wanted to be a professional surfer as a kid, but because I came from a poor background, I had no money to travel and compete. So I couldn't even qualify, let alone compete. Mm. Um, so then I, I decided I wanted to get in and work and, and then I sold insurance for 10 years. And then I decided to get back into surfing. And what I'd, learned with, what I'd learned with business was all the goal setting and the focus and determination about achieving what I wanted to achieve. So when it came to sport, you know, it was actually a whole new fresh outlet again to actually start competing again, but with, with new mindset knowledge, with that ability to be able to go, well, I've got a competition coming up. I need to train. I need to focus. I need to be committed. I need to do all those things like I do in business. Yeah. And then in, when I do that in business, uh, sorry, sport, it was just it just became part of my DNA. In other words, I could do it. I need to focus on opportunity coming up. I need to focus on a competition coming up. So I'm not sure which one made which one work. Okay. But I can tell you that, that winning in business is like winning in sport and winning in sport is like winning in business. All right. Well, what you were saying made me think of goals. And I was going to ask you if you write your goals down, but now I, I'm looking at your whiteboard and I'm pretty sure it says sideways, but I think it says goals right there. Am I right? Yeah, right there. I'm massive on goal setting. 
it's been part of my DNA forever. So when I left, when I when I left home and started working for an American insurance company, the first thing they did was get us to set goals. Mm. In the end, it was a little bit micromanagement. So you'd actually set goals, you know, basically by the hour almost, as well as your your bigger term goals. You know, so but I'm very big on, you know, having that big that big long, you know, call it bucket list for the life, right back into ten years, right back into years, months, days, and and really getting into your action-based goals. So I've been doing a few workshops on goal setting and helping people out and uh, just helping people clarify because it's not in everyone's DNA and I took it for granted. And then people started asking me, can you help me with setting goals? I said, yeah, sure, I can help you because it's been part of my DNA. Hey, everybody, Jess here. What if I could help your company find over $100,000 in hidden revenue streams in less than an hour without spending an extra dime on advertising or marketing? Reach out to me at cardzap.thebumpcard.me. Check out the video on five steps to profit and also reach out and we can have a conversation. Thank you. Excuse me. So you cough once now and and, and uh, in public and people start like looking at you like, hey, well, get away from me, you know. Uh, it's, kind of, it's kind of scary out there, but, uh, but anyway, when I talk too much, I definitely have to cough occasionally. So, but, um, so when you, uh, when you were building your business and kind of getting momentum and things like that, was there a couple of things that, um, you know, you were able to kind of, um, you know, clarify and really focus on to get the kind of the revenue starting to, to move? Well, yeah. So one of the, one of the things that made re-network and probably would have made any of them work. But the one thing that made re-network was my ability to be able to go out and talk to people, have a constructive conversation, get a yes answer, walk out with it, walk out with a check and a client. That was what made the biggest difference. Um, I'm not going to say it's a forgotten trade, but I don't think people do that anymore. They don't prospect as much as they used to. They put a few social media posts out and think that's prospecting. And it's not. So, you know, prospecting is going out and talking to people. So one of the things, you know, I've always been asked, oh, my son or daughter wants to get into IT. What do you think they should do? And I go, learn sales, learn how to go out and sell. Because I was not the smartest programmer, way smarter programmers than me out there that have got no business because they can't get clients. They can't get that traction. And that's not that's okay. They need to hire a salesperson. They need to hire that person. They need to fill that void. For me, it was the opposite. So I could go out and have a conversation, sell what I had, no problems at all, or even deliver what they asked for, go back and write that code. And that was actually one of the unique things about Renet the whole way along. So as I grew and the reputation got stronger, the clients just got bigger. Mm, So in other words, I'd go into a corporation and they would be saying, they would ask me a question, you know, Scott, if I spend $100,000, they wouldn't ask it this way, but let's give the analogy. If I spend $100,000 with you, can you deliver it? And I'm sitting there going, well, not only am I the CEO, you know, I'm also the person who wrote the software in the beginning. So I can tell you whether things take a day or a week or a month gotcha. with authority. Yeah. So, and that was actually one of the unique things in the industry. I wasn't dealing with a salesperson. They weren't dealing with a salesperson or anyone else, right? So I had salespeople look after the day-to-day small accounts now when it got to the big accounts, that same principle was there. So being able to have that conversation and close a deal and walk out with a client, not a sale, a client, there's a difference, um, was one of the secret sources. So having learning how to do sales and have that conversation in a constructive way was, I think, the biggest secret source. Yeah, that's powerful. 
my background is kind of sort of similar. I, I, um, when I was like, I don't remember how old, like 10 or eight or something, I conned, conned the uh, pastor's wife to let me walk around selling Avon products because she sold them. And so I, a little kid holding a pink bag and these grandmas would just give you money, you know, it was, yeah, yeah. but it, but it's kind of what got me started. And then I started, you know, I sold stuff in Boy Scouts for fundraisers and then I started selling cars. And then I started, you know, I just kind of kept selling and selling, selling. And I, for some reason I ended up in IT for a while too, I, you know, but um, and, and the the people skills and the being able to talk to people is really what helped me, you know, succeed there so much and move up the the ranks because a lot of the people were, you know, they wanted to hide in their cubicle and not talk to anybody. And I was, you know, I talked to people and I learned the skills, you know, so it's kind of a, it made a powerful uh, combination. So. Yeah, hundred percent. And um, you look, I'm a fan of sales or the sales career, even though it's a dirty word for most people. <laughs> but the best thing about if, if, if you're in business for yourself, you're in sales, right? There's yep. a fact. I mean, there's just no other two ways to put it. But if you're, if you're selling cars or something, as long as you're on a good deal, the best thing about being in sales or being in your own business is you can get paid what you're worth. Mm. That is the best thing. So, you know, if, you, if you're worth more and you want to put more effort in and you're in your own business, it's because you're getting all the benefits. So when everyone asks me, Scotty, do you think I should start my own business? My answer is always yes. But here's the caveat. You're going to get paid what you're worth. Mm. So if you're going to start a business and do next to nothing, that's what you're going to get paid. If you're going to start a business, go the extra mile and do all the right things, well, then it's all yours to get. So yeah. go and do it. And when I started a business, I started a business, you know, I wanted to work 80 hours a week so I didn't have to work 40. <laughs> Well, I often say, you know, I often say that I worked till I was half the time. <laughs> I, it, it, it stopped for a second there. Sorry. Can you repeat that last little bit? Yeah. And I said, I, I often, I often say I worked till I was 70. I just did it in half the time. <laughs> there you go. Oh, that's <laughs> funny. Yeah. Yeah. It's um it's pretty cool how you were able to kind of, you know, ret I guess retire early and now, and now you said you're kind of dabbling with some stuff cause you're too entrepreneurial. You can't help yourself. But uh, I, I think, I think I'm going to be the same way. I, I, I just, my brain just wants to th think, just thinks that way naturally, you know? So. Um, yeah. Well, it's, it's boring when you, you know, there's only so many times you can mow the lawn and wash the car. Right. <laughs> oh, I'm, that's what we got kids for right now or I do anyway so but uh, anyway yeah so um, so what, what kind of uh, goals have you set for your new kind of new ventures that you're doing because you had some educational stuff and some other things you had going on right now yeah well this year I put together system 1357 so a lot of people for the last two years wanted to know oh hey Scotty what did you do so I you know uh, and I woke up one morning in 2018 and I, I woke up one morning and went, wow, you know, actually all those things I wanted to do in 2000, I managed to do. And the techniques I used worked. Business judo, time duplication, the business of thirds, the rule of 100 and sugar and cream. I went, wow, they all worked. So I started going, okay. And then what happened was Google asked me to come and speak to them. So I spoke for Google and Startup Grind, and then things started to change where more people wanted to hear about it. Nice. But what I didn't have was a way of, a way of like a blueprint or a package of, of how to present this stuff. 
So I had an epiphany moment riding a bike in November 2019 with System 1357. And that has changed everything. So I've now spent this year on, on System 1357 and, and sharing the stories and the knowledge around this system that I did 20 years ago okay. to help people on their journey going forward. So that's what's been keeping me busy. So the, the, goal, the goal this year was for 100 people to sign into System 1357. And I've actually achieved that twice now, which is good because I'm up to my third platform. Um, And the goal for next year is, you know, it's still only small. It's a thousand people, but I'd like to be surrounded by a hundred partners that are, you know, part of the system and they're facilitators, trainers, coaches, and they're teaching on teaching the system. And the goal for the start of 2022 is actually have some certified coaches in system 1357 around the world. So I'm not sure what that would be maybe, I don't know if I said 10% of the hundred. So 10 of them are actually certified and I know they know and they can teach along with other things they teach. It's just part of what they teach. You know, it might be all of what they teach, but part of what they teach. So if you look at long-term goals, you know, how I want to start 2022 is with a thousand people logged into system one, three, five, seven, a hundred partners and 10 certified coaches. Fantastic. Yeah. Sounds like a great goal. Yeah, now I have to, I apologize. I have to go back to something you said a few, like a minute ago or so here. So what's the sugar and cream principle? <laughs> well, I'm glad you asked because sugar and cream is one of my favorites. And you know what? I didn't actually have the terminology for sugar and cream until post renet. Okay. And I, I had to come up with a way of explaining what I did. And so when I was, when I was hiring people as staff, for example, I was looking for people like me that not, not the, 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 the overqualified people or really qualified people, but the people that were just wanting to go on a success journey, wanting to learn their job, wanting to go forward, wanting to be a part of something. Mm. So the right word there is the sugary people rather than the cream people. Okay. Yeah. You know, I was looking for those people in sales. Uh, sorry, in, um, in staff. When I, when I started selling the, the software Renet, I didn't go to the capital cities where all the cream clients were. I went to all the regional areas where all the sugar clients were. Mm. You know, all the people that appreciated me walking into their door going, how are you going? I'm Scotty. I'm from Renet. And they went, wow, someone's actually come out to see us. That was sugary clients. Mm. And even then when I went to some of the regional towns that might have had 50,000 people in it and 20 real estate offices, I didn't go to the biggest office in town because that's where everyone else went. I got paid the same off the big office as I did off the little office, but the little office appreciated me. Gotcha. So I went looking for all the sugary stuff the whole time, not the creamy stuff, the sugary stuff, but I didn't come up with the terminology of sugar and cream until post renet. I was Mm -hmm. sitting there one day with a coffee and it was like sugar and cream. Anyway, I started talking about it. I started talking about it in one video and a couple of people picked up and I went, that's awesome. (laughs) But that was a philosophy of how I started the company was always looking for the sugar. I was looking for the, I had a sugary product. I had a sugary staff. I had sugary sales, mm. not cream, you know, and, and I could let the cream be there all day, you know, like being on LinkedIn and all that, the influencers do whatever they're doing. I'm doing what I'm doing with all the people around me that want to come along a journey, the sugary people, they're responding, they're learning, they're growing, they're evolving. Yeah. Fine. You know, that's, you know, the cream can float to the top all it likes, but there's a whole, there's a whole area of sugary people in there they just want a bit of help and a bit of a little bit of stirring and they become amazing. And, and like I said, I did that with staff. I did it with clients. I did it with product. Ah. 
my guess is that some of the cream came back to you seeking out what the sugary people had at some point. You got it. <laughs> In fact, the last, the last deal I did at Renet was a company called Collier's International, a massive international oh, yeah. commercial estate agency. So they reached out to me and said, hey, Scotty, can you put a tender in for this? And I went, yeah, okay, I'll put a tender in. And I did all the right things. So I flew down to Sydney. I'm having these meetings in the big high building overlooking the harbour and all this sort of stuff. Anyway, in the end, I, I got the deal, right? And it was worth, it was worth, you know, it was worth well over six figures anyway. And then it, that was yearly and all this sort of stuff. It, it was a good deal. And then I found out at the end, there was actually no one else tendering. It was just me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> they already... They already wanted me to do it. They just wanted me to put in a pricing thing for it. But they made it sound like there was other people involved and there was no one else involved. <laughs> Could have probably charged double. <laughs> no, not really. Well, I'll give you a funny story with that. So in 2003, I was given this opportunity to, to do a product for um, a, a print company in Sydney. And believe it or not, that's actually the company that bought me 12 years later. So I'm going to call it the longest sale I ever did was 12 years. Oh, wow. But anyway, I went down to Sydney to see IPMG. They were a print company in Sydney. And they looked after the real estate print stuff and they needed a solution. So I'm on the plane flying down to Sydney and I already had this solution written, right? So he'd asked me to come down and I, I did like this two or three pager quote and I already had this software, I already had this solution they needed done. And I went, I'm going to charge five grand. And I went, oh, no, I'm going to double it. On the flight, I thought, I'll double it. I'll make it 10. On the way to the office, I thought, no, I'll double it again. I can always come back. So I, I thought, I'll go in with $20,000. That's it. I'll go in with $20,000. I'm sitting there across the room from Eddie, who was the boss, and I'm talking to Eddie away, and he's, he's, he's turned around and he's looked at me. He's gone, you know what, Scotty? I just don't think you understand what's involved. The other quote we've got is for $100,000. But see, the other quote, they had to write all the stuff. I mean, I'd already done the software. You already have. I already had it. Nice. For me, it was all just return, right? So, and I've gone, man, I still didn't charge enough. <laughs> <laughs> I should have said it was $100,000. There anyway, you go. So yeah. that was my, I told them that story after they bought me. We were out for dinner one night and um, I told them the story of that $100,000 and they just laughed. I said, yeah, well, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but if you talk about business judo, what I realized was they had that solution, but they didn't have another solution. So I ended up, ended up making about $400,000 out of those people over the next five years mm. on this monthly recurring revenue for another solution they didn't have. So I didn't look at it as at a lost sale. I went, fine, but what about this? And they bought that and I went, sweet, job's done. Great. Yeah. So imagine, you know, imagine if I had got the $100,000 deal, I would have lost all that other money yeah. or potentially got both. I don't really know. But anyway, the long story short was I went down to Sydney and I just didn't charge them enough. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Well, that's that's a great story. What's um, what's maybe like a, a quick, uh, you know? I know I think we you mentioned it earlier a little bit, but uh, what's a quick failure that you had that you really got like a big epiphany from that really helped you kind of move to the to the next level? Oh, look, I've had plenty of them. I've <laughs> had plenty of failures. Uh, you know, you you actually learn way more from your your bad times than your good. You know, I mean, if I give. If I give 1999 was one of the best and toughest years I ever went on, mm. as an example, uh, that was a year where I was working for a, a narcissist and they were giving me a hard time. Same company for 10 years, but they were just giving me a hard time. They made me feel like, they just made me feel terrible. I actually left for three months and started another job and then went back to that job because I made more money in selling insurance than I did 
selling those window fittings. But anyway, so I went back to selling insurance and they, get, they just gave me a hell time. But what that meant was, what that meant was I started going, you know what? It's time for me to do my own thing. It's time for me to have a go. So I gave myself a 10-year goal of starting a business just to be in business. And I just wanted to be in IT in business. And that was all my goal was, not to have the big company I had, just to be in business. Mm. And uh, that, so that's what I did. At the start of 2000, I left that job and said, well, that's it. I'm, gonna, I'm going to start a business. But it all came because of all the, all the problems and all the bad times I was having, how people would, I just wasn't, I, was, I, became a, I became a square peg in a round hole in the insurance business. I just didn't fit into them culturally or anything. I don't know what happened, but anyway, just, they, well, I can tell you what did happen. They started importing all these bosses from, from England and the UK to run the, to run the place. And for some reason, I just didn't get along with the Scottish and the Poms and just different mindsets. Yeah. So that was it. It was time to go. But if I had have stayed, if I had have stayed, I mean, it just, I would not have had the same journey. I'm so glad I, I'm so glad they gave me a hard time and made me go, that's it. Same as the job. So let's go. I didn't get a job. I'm so glad I didn't even get a job because <laughs> I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have read those books on programming and I wouldn't have started writing software and I never would have went on that journey. So all the bad things that have ever happened to me have always turned around and turned into something good. Mm. I'm not sure who said it, but one of the quotes I live by is, is you know, every, every disadvantage has the seed of equivalent or greater advantage. Mm, yeah. It's in a book. I, read it the, too, I, I think it's Napoleon Hill, but it's not important who said it. But here's the caveat, right? You, you have to be able to find that seed yourself. Mm. You know, you have to be open-minded and be ready for that seed to turn up. Yeah. You know, so you can't just go through life going, oh, yeah, but it'll, it'll come. No, no. You've still got to be that proactive person to be that magnetic or that pull effect on the good things to come to you or else it's not going to come. You can't just go, oh, you know, it, it's just going to happen. I'm going to get lucky. No, it's not. You've got to make your own luck, you know, so. Yeah. And so um, we're, we're almost done here, but because uh, we got to gotta, gotta get going here, but um, we're both big on LinkedIn. So we do a lot on LinkedIn. Is there like a success that you've had that's kind of just been really un- maybe unexpected or exciting that's happened to you uh, through LinkedIn? I think all of LinkedIn has been quite fascinating, to tell you the truth. Uh, but here's what I like about LinkedIn. So, you know, LinkedIn is, is full of all the people in the middle, like the sugary people. Yeah, That's what I like about LinkedIn. You know, it's not the people not wanting to have a go or, you know, just down there. They're not the, they're not the super, super rich people unless they've got some marketing person doing all their stuff you know it's it's the active people on linkedin are all the sugary people like me all the people want to have a go want to be motivated want to be inspired want to do business and that's what i like about the active people on linkedin so yeah there are a couple of influencers on there don't get me wrong but it's i'm not really interested in them you know i'm interested in all the people out there having a go and going on that journey you know the instagram stars that's fine you know and and it's just not the space so i think linkedin in itself has been a massive, I can only measure everything that's happening now with System 1357 or getting to talk for Google. All that stuff was simply because of LinkedIn. I'm not trying to preach LinkedIn. I'm just saying, yeah. you know, it can be a time waster too. So you've got to be careful that your investments, you've got to, be, you've got to have a strategy and, a, and, a, and a proper intent or your intentions have got to be in line with what your goals are mm. or else you'll just chew through all your time. Yeah. But it's certainly... It's certainly an audience of responsive people who want to learn and want to achieve. Yeah. Yeah. I've definitely found the same, same thing there. So uh, fantastic. 
Well, I want to thank you again, Scotty. Uh, this has been a really good conversation. And um, if you could just re remind them really quick again where to find you and, um, and maybe give them a little, maybe a short synopsis of, uh, you know, how they get, it, get in touch with you to do your system with the, the, the training system. It was system 1357. It's obviously www.system1357.com. And that's where I put all those things that I've learned uh, into a series of videos that you can go and watch. And the objective there is so you can work smarter rather than harder. Hmm. And it's just, it's been a motto of mine. And in there, I'll, I'll, I'll share lots of things with you. And it actually doesn't cost you anything. So rather than waiting for me to post something motivational on LinkedIn, you can go there right now and you can watch as much as you like. There's over 10 hours of videos in there, 200 and something videos. Um, there's workshops, replays. There's, there's all sorts of things in there for you to get knowledge out of. That's great. Well, thank you again. And um, for everybody listening, thanks so much. I really appreciate you. Uh, please like, subscribe, share, and uh, review. And uh, we will see you on the next show. Thanks again, everybody. Appreciate it.